ESPN Audio and the undefeated proudly partner in the intersection where sports and social justice meet. Now alongside L. Duncan, here's Clinton Yates. You're listening to The Intersection on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app and Sirius XM Channel 80. The show is presented by Progressive Insurance and all guests on the program appear via the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. And joining us right now is the University of North Carolina Athletic Director Bubba Cunningham. Of course, we all know that the decisions between conferences to proceed or not proceed with fall and perhaps maybe even winter sports, which we'll get to later, have been up in the air. And, um, you know, we wanted to talk to you. So, Bubba, thank you very much for your time, sir. And the first question I'll ask is this. I mean, how many, you know, years has this decision taken off your life just from a leadership standpoint, <laughs> not just necessarily from a health one? And I mean that as somebody who's been around the game and education for a long time. Well, I appreciate that. But, you know, we are so fortunate to work in, in co- at a university in college athletics and work on a college campus. And certainly this is a trying time for the universities and the colleges. But, you know, it pales in comparison to what the medical professionals have been living with and dealing with for the last six months in the United States and beyond that across the world. So, yes, we're making difficult decisions, but, you know, there are 20 million college students attempting to get back to the university. You know, at North Carolina, we're trying to figure out what to do with 800 student athletes in the context of 19,000 undergraduates. So while it's challenging, it's... um, it's great to work at a university that has such a, a good hospital. We have healthcare providers, we have epidemiologists, we have infectious disease folks. So the guidance and the information we're getting, we feel really good about. The ambiguity that we're all living in is hard from time to time, and it's difficult to deal with, and you don't know how long it's going to go. So being patient and being flexible is uh, something that we're certainly encouraging. And then you put on top of that all of the racial and social injustice that's going on throughout the country, all those issues, you know, it it just makes for an incredibly challenging time for everyone. And in college campuses at times can be the epicenter for some of that, um, some of that discussion. We're speaking with Bubba Cunningham, the University of North Carolina Athletic Director. I'm glad you mentioned sort of medical advice because today we had one of the medical advisors for the NCAA on the coronavirus board essentially compare trying to play fall sports to the Titanic. You couple that with the fact that, of course, the Big Ten and Pac-12 have already pulled out. Is there something that the ACC is hearing from their own medical advisors that sort of differs from what we're hearing uh, from some other conferences and doctors? Yeah, and I think uh, what's happening in college athletics is what has happened all over the country. Um, There are a lot of medical experts trying to understand a novel virus, something that has never occurred before. And everyone is, quite frankly, speculating on what is the best way to navigate this virus. And you're getting competing opinions. And all of us in college athletics, you know, we heed the advice of our medical staff and our chancellors and presidents of universities do the same thing. And the advice that we're receiving is what we're acting upon. And in different parts of the country and different people have different opinions and the experts are still the experts, but there's no consensus on what is the absolute best path yet. Now there may be, but uh, at least at this point, it's not uh, it's not consistent. And you're seeing it in both the, the political arena, the athletic arena, 
the socioeconomic arena, you're seeing it everywhere, and it's playing out differently for, for many, many cities and states. The Intersection on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Clinton Yates, L. Duncan, we are joined on the Shell Penzar Performance Line by Bubba Cunningham, University of North Carolina Athletic Director. And let me tell you this, sir, when I first heard that the ACC was not a part of the same decision-making process, not to judge either one as a lot of the other conferences, my first thing was, oh, they waiting on basketball. They want to figure out what's going to go on in terms of not just the fall, but perhaps what's going to happen with that hoop schedule. And I'm asking you, how much (laughs) is that overlap a part of this? Because we can't just skip straight to spring in terms of what happens with the fall if we don't consider what's going to happen in the winter. Please inform me a little bit on how that has led into the um, decision-making part of this. Yeah, you know, it really has. And I know it sounds like, you know, we have our head in the sand or we're really not paying attention or we're trying to shade the truth, but that's just not true. We have 19,000 students on campus. We have 800 that participate in intercollegiate athletics. Certainly, football and basketball are the most visible, but it is also just what we do. You know, our, our mission at Carolina in athletics is we educate and inspire through athletics, and we value the experience of the basketball team supremely. Same with football but the same with rowing and gymnastics and wrestling. And so, you know, it's, you know, I don't know if you guys have children or not, but we have four kids and we don't have a favorite kid and I don't have a favorite sport. There's certainly ones that drive us economically. There's others that provide incredible um, pride in the place. And we've won 22 national championships in women's soccer. We've won, you know, national championships in men's and women's lacrosse and back-to-back days. So there's certain things that, uh, we, we don't really put a price tag on, but the, the value of that experience is important to us. So, yes, the revenue sports are important because that's what finances the operation. But when we're talking about the health and safety of students, we're really talking about all of our students. And not one is going to impact a decision we make for another one. And you guys have a great, great show here because talking about the intersection of sport and culture and economics and healthcare. Now, there's not a better time for you to lead a discussion about how all those things intersect and where do colleges and universities play in trying to solve some of the great issues of our time. And so I, I congratulate you on your, uh, on your show. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Well, thank you for saying that. I, um, it's funny, too, when you said you've got you know children that drive economics. I thought you were going to say children that drive you crazy because I certainly have that. Um, <laughs> I was like, no, for sure I can preach to that. Um, you, you, know, you sort of mentioned the Kids intersection. Are just a little bit older. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Mine's too. So you know, you know what stage I'm in right now, uh, Bubba. Um, but I'm glad you sort of mentioned that. I know that the University of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. The athletics department is pushing the three E's and five V's program, which is about sort of promoting diversity, inclusion and respect. I, I certainly understand that this is the time based on the temperature of this country. But did you do somewhat of an internal audit of where the university stood in diversity and inclusion? And what were your results and how did that sort of drive this initiative? Well, we have, you know, we have, you know, racial equity and inclusion uh, is a big part of our campus community in general. But athletics, you know, we have been integrated, and I think sports is a, an incredible um, thing to look at when you look at integration. You know, we had Charlie Scott as our first African-American basketball player, scholarship player, and we've had integration in athletics racially for a long time because we all have a common mission. We have a common goal. And when you have that, you can bring people together that want to aspire to greatness, and it doesn't matter 
whether you're black or white or lesbian or gay or it, whatever you are, you if you can contribute to the overall goal, you're going to be included. And so, yes, the university is continuing to work on that. But what we're trying with, as you mentioned, our three E's and five V's is we want to educate, engage and empower our student athletes and our staff. And then the five V's are talking about we're taking a vow as a department. What are we going to do? Because we don't want these issues in today's environment to happen in future generations. So we're going to pledge that we're going to do certain things to change the future. We're going to give our kids voices. That's the second V. We want them to feel the freedom to talk and say anything they want when they want. And then the venues. Where are you going to express yourselves? Is it a press conference? Is it a game? Is it on social media? Is it what are you going to write an essay? What when do you want to do it? Where do you want to do it? And then we're going to certainly get on with the voting. We want people to vote. And it's not just about the national election. It's the people every single day. It's the, the city police. It's the county ordinance. It's the tax collector. All the people that we elect locally affect our daily lives. We all seem to fixate on the national election. But what's happening locally is equally important, if not more important. And so we, we need to make sure we, our kids understand what voting is all about. And then we want to volunteer in areas that have an impact for us and for our community. So that's what we're doing with our students. That's what we're trying to educate them and empower them. And we want to be engaging with them in making good decisions that they're going to think is important as they move forward in their life. Sounds like a plan. I have one last question that is extremely important in my life, Mr. Cunningham. You know how I feel about the, 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 the uniforms of the world, L. The argyle that UNC has is one yes. of the sexiest patterns in the yeah. world. Please send me an argyle face mask so that I can wear that on TV. Okay, This is extremely important. Oh. We must do this okay. to promote mask safety. I will, I will do that. The argyle is fantastic. Alexander Julian designed that uniform years ago for the university. Nike has now picked it up. We had it just in basketball for the longest period of time. And we talked about it as a department, talked to Coach Williams, and said, yeah, this is a department uh, pattern. Let's use it for everybody. So now it's on football. Our soccer programs have it. it. It's been fantastic. And so I will get you some Argyle. The face masks do look pretty good. My man, he's Bubba Cunningham. He's the athletic director <laughs> love of the it. University of North Carolina Tar Heels. Thank you, sir. Uh, I appreciate it. Thanks, you guys. The Intersection, where sports and social justice meet. Proudly presented by ESPN Audio and The Undefeated. The Intersection on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. The show is presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests on the program appear via the Shell Penzoil Performance Line. My name is Clinton Yates. Her name is L. Duncan. If you want to hit us up, you can do so on Twitter, at Clinton Yates or at L. Duncan ESPN. The question is this. Do you agree with Adam Silver that fans can separate NBA play from social messaging? He had a couple things to say on the matter. Here's what he said, quote, I think our fans are able to separate words on the floor or message words on the floor, excuse me, or messages on the players jerseys or the floor. Even to the extent that they don't, I think they recognize these are not simple times. Our players are not one dimensional people and they can both be deeply concerned about issues that our country faces and at the same time perform their craft at the highest level and quote. That's what NBA Commissioner Adam Silver told Sports Illustrated. L, do you think those two things are possible? 
Yes, and I, I preface this by saying two things. First of all, why he was asked about this, right? Because the the conspiracy theorists or some people are trying to use sort of the somewhat low ratings that we've sort of seen after the first week of the NBA as like, well, the woke league and people don't want to watch. I think that's BS. I personally think that no two sports other than, than baseball and basketball have been more affected by the lack of atmosphere with no fans, right? Like we've seen, seen big numbers with NASCAR and big numbers with golf, but both of those are really sort of fan resistant because they really aren't a huge part of, at least for the, the television viewer, big part of what they do. So that's why he was asked this question to begin with. And I 100% agree that they're able to to tell the difference between those things. And in fact, we've got numbers to actually prove it because, as you know, Clinton, ESPN actually did, along with Tidewatch, conducted an online server survey with 800 sports fans ages 18 and up, sort of asked them different questions about social justice and how it pertains the intersection if you will pun intended um, mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, viewership and within with athletes and eight in ten sports fans 82 percent said that they are following stories about protests 71 percent a very sizable majority said that they support teams and athletes speaking out on issues of social justice and racial inequality really Clinton the only place that there was still a little bit of I guess you could say mixed results is in the manner with which they do it they didn't have a problem with Black Lives Matter on the court. They tend to have more of a problem with uh, kneeling during the national anthem, right, which has sort of always been this hot-button issue. Uh, so this idea that people just want this sort of distraction and they don't want politics in their sports, I mean, listen, this is a very thorough survey that was conducted, and the numbers, if we believe numbers don't lie, the numbers don't bear fruit to the idea that people do not want that intersection between sports and social justice. Well, also, I mean, I, th- I think there's some analysis to be made here on a deeper level about what potentially being able to separate the two means about people's necessary thoughts on whether or not they need to. Yeah, of course, I'm able to separate the two, but I don't need to do that. I can also do both of them without feeling like one is usurping the other. That's the thing here, and that's the whole point. But we've discussed many times on this program about what I think the effectiveness of normalization is, is that you don't have to have it be all-encompassing to understand that both NBA players can play basketball games and can respect the agency of humanity that is Black Lives Matter. These two things do not have to be mutually exclusive on any level, and that's what I think the ultimate um, success rate of this is going to be. Yeah, I mean, I think that, but again, like, I I, I suppose that my biggest sticking point and my biggest source of contention in this is despite the fact that, you know, there's there seems to be, at least according to the survey, a more favorable light looked at at Colin Kaepernick and whatnot. This idea that we're still just <laughs> that we're still making demonstrating during the national anthem so controversial. I mean, it feels like a couple of months ago we had reached this sort of agreement or at least this reckoning and this awakening of what it was all about. And you know, you mentioned it earlier in the show and it's been said many, many times over the last four years that this was an idea by Nate Boyer, who is a former Green Beret, and he's told Colin Kaepernick it's more respectful to kneel than to sit on the bench, which is what Colin Kaepernick was doing. So the idea that we're just still here, the idea that people are still saying, I think it's important for you to use your platform, just use it in the manner that I find to be more comfortable with, it's just incredibly frustrating because, like, how have we not under, how are we not in an understanding at this point about what that actually means and why they're doing it? 
Yeah, I mean, it ultimately adds up to a large stay-in-your-place argument on some level, which for those of you who don't understand, basically, whenever black folks do anything, we are forced to filter it through a prism that involves white fragility and white safety as to whether or not it's going to be effective or necessary. For those of you who really need the thing broken down from a fundamental standpoint, that's what we're talking about. We can't do nothing without y'all deciding whether or not my tag on we can't do nothing without y'all deciding whether or not y'all approve of what it is we do well before you respect anything it is that we're actually saying. That's the issue with that little discussion in terms of when and where and how. It doesn't necessarily mean that everything has to be hyper, I don't know, violent, for lack of a better term, communicatively, or that it has to be loud and in your face. It just means that we don't need anybody's approval to be able to express or should not need everybody's approval to be able to express what are our God-given rights to our own agency. That is what Black Lives Matter means. You're listening to The Intersection on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you build, bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. L, I told you this. I don't stand for the national anthem in press boxes. I don't stand for the national anthem in general. Is this something that you have encountered in your life? I don't necessarily know how many games you get out to anymore these days or just in general, how often you hear that song in a public place. But your boy ain't standing up for that no longer. That's just out for me. Well, I can tell you that before Colin Kaepernick did this, it seemed like it didn't really matter to anyone. And we would always see the guy that would leave his hat on and be texting on his phone or calling down the beer guy while the The national anthem was playing, right, or in line for snacks. Um, I mean, you know this, working in in media, like you'd be in sort of the media room and you're typing, you're getting storylines together, you're looking at lineups, like you're not – you're not standing at attention for the national anthem so again it's become this this source of contention and really this way for people to sort of disseminate who stands where politically like oh if you're if you're if you're not standing then you're obviously some liberal leaning snowflake who's anti-president and anti-america and anti-military and it just has turned into this absolutely ridiculous notion which is why to some level it's like just get rid of it stop performing it you didn't perform it except for what 10 years ago made a deal with the department of defense like it's not the pageantry is just not worth all of this let me tell you where this was first figured out to me that people were going to have a serious issue with this it was in your town l for the national championship game the one where kendrick lamar blackity black kendrick lamar performed at halftime right across the centennial way yep there are probably 250 seats Mm -hmm. in the atlanta um, Mercedes-Benz media press box. Yep. I was the only one sitting, and I can tell you, woo, did not feel good. <laughs> Coming up, we're going to talk about some fun stuff, y'all. The NBA bubble basketball so far, but I was daggone proud to be sitting. It's ESPN Radio. It's The Intersection. The Intersection, where sports and social justice meet. Proudly presented by ESPN Audio and The Undefeated. Woo, it's The Intersection on ESPN Radio. The ESPN app and Sirius XM Channel 80. L is doing dances from the 80s. It's presented by Progressive Insurance, this program is. And, of course, all guests appear via the show. Penzo Performance Line. Billy's holding it down with the music front. L did not yeah. answer the text this week, by the way. I, know. I was the one who picked the Hammer song. L didn't do the homework. So we got it done on that front. The question today, if you want to hit us up, one eight 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 say espn one eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. How would you best describe the NBA basketball bubble so far? Brad, you're on the air. CSPN Radio. Brad, you're on the air. ESPN Radio. What you got? 
Okay, Brad doesn't have much, so we're going to move right along. How would you, L. Duncan, describe the NBA bubble so far? Maybe that was his answer, crickets. Um, (laughs) Mad entertaining, just because you're getting like sort of all the kind of storylines that you want, right? You're getting the good, um, which is, of course, the Blazers. The quality of play has been really good too, right? There was this question of, A, whether some of these teams would take it seriously, if there would be this certain amount of rest, but we're seeing really – like solid um, stuff. You're getting some of the bad, which is, of course, the injuries, which we fully expected. Uh, the Grizzlies are bad. I mean, they're in the play-in game, but they've been bad. The Pelicans. I mean, the idea that the, the NBA would. Right? Like, the idea that they would blow the whole thing up just so they could try to get <laughs> Zion Williamson a chance at, you know, a first-round matchup with LeBron, and they just, out the gate, were just terrible. And then you're getting the weird, and I always sort of like to traffic in the weird. Like, what the hell, Phoenix Suns? Like, where was this... I mean, listen, it stands to reason the Blazers are probably going to beat the Nets tonight. And, like, despite the fact that the the Suns are undefeated in the bubble and playing ridiculous basketball, they're not going to make it in. But, like, that's been super fun. And Dame Lillard. Mm -hmm. And, like, we've never mentioned Gary Trent Jr.'s name so much ever. And these ridiculous... You know, interviews post game where these long, stupid microphones so that you have to stand six feet away. Like, I'm into just all of the weird that is currently happening in Orlando. What about you? It, it's fantastic. I mean, I think overall, the product has simply been better than people what people thought. Sure. They have been leaders on all fronts on this, whether it be the decision to get into the bubble, which was obviously intelligent, as we see now, whether it be what's actually happened on the court. You know, the Blazers are going to mess around and try to beat somebody. Charles Barkley said on television the other day he thinks the Blazers are going to beat the Lakers. Wow. We just locked up the number one seed. You know, we've seen some interesting stories as well from the barbershop being a thing to Jimmy Butler's late night workouts, massive air quotes, <laughs> um, you know, to just how players are bonding. My man Patrick Beverly showing up talking about dollar time whenever the dude was bricking free throws. I mean, it's been good. Oh, the yeah, the trash has great. added yeah. something that we did not have, which was communal fellowship between players in the same place, which is what I was looking forward to to begin with. It's a basketball camp type environment. And mm-hmm. for those of you all who have ever been to sports camp, you know exactly what that's like. You're all there. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You got to figure it out. And that's very, very fun. But most importantly, though, here's what we have to talk about. If I asked you what you would need to produce for a person that is not one you are related to by marriage or by birth, how you might establish yourself as long-standing personal friends what method would you use to do so because the nba players are now allowed to bring in for the playoffs friends and or family so the bubble trouble is about to get real as far as who deserves to be there well, I think it's a two-verification approach, right? So the oh, first absolutely. Veri- the first verification would be camera rolls because everybody nowadays oh. has a long camera. I'm just saying, Alice like, if you have a relationship, if, if you have a relationship with them, like, they're in the camera roll. I would say if for some reason you do not like to take pictures of them or have evidence of them in your phone, then identifying any kind of birthmarks or tattoos <laughs> <laughs> would be able to. <laughs> to confirm, right? Like, I have a very large freckle somewhere, and only my husband oh. would know where that is. And so, do you know what I'm saying? So that is something I think there's a two-step verification process, and there's plenty of options based on your comfort level. The other thing is, of course, the text search. That's always a keyword search Ooh. in the old text. That could be, that could be dicey okay. for a lot of people. But, Correct. you know, I just find the, the reason why I find this particular portion of the story funny is, a, the aforementioned Jimmy Butler, 
Um, and B, we all know how this goes. When people started wondering what kind of fraternization would be going on inside the bubble, this was always the question. We saw all of your close personal friends from high school on IGL talking about, well, I already got invited. I already got my in. I know what I'm doing. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And it was uh, quite funny. Yes, exactly, Shannon. If you spend Valentine's Day, excuse me, the day after Valentine's Day or the day before Valentine's Day with somebody in the NBA, you ain't getting in the bubble. No, you're you got to be an on-the-day person in order for that to get through. The Christmas gifts coming on that eve or maybe the day after, nah, B, you're not getting in. You are not the one. Yeah, if you, get a, if you get a text on Thanksgiving past 9 p.m., you're not the one. You know, it's one of those, like, where it's like, oh, things got crazy. The turkey burned. Like, I'm so sorry. Family's doing great. Yeah, because if they're thankful for you, they're texting you in the morning. Wow. That was just giving away the whole game. She actually said camera rolls on national radio. That is very, very <laughs> Just but, saying. So it's a way. Here's the thing. By the way, you're listening to The Intersection on ESPN Radio. Clinton Yates, L. Duncan. Look. My thing is, is that, like, this has to be instantly one of those. You know how, like, sometimes you're at a place or you're at a retreat or at a function and there's something that's not on the agenda that you have to sign up for to do and all of a sudden people really realize it's really popular? Put me on the social verification team for the NBA. <laughs> I want all the documents. I want to see all of it. I want to see y'all prove to me what y'all are doing. Because I imagine this is going to be something similar to the DMV, where people are coming up, falling things out of their wallets, pulling things out of their tote bags, talking about, no, see, this shows you that this person is actually this person as it means to me. How can I not get my license? I need to get approved. It's like, mm, I don't know. I only saw one like on this Insta picture, and it's not from that person, even though they're in it. So maybe you don't really know them. You know, you can hit them with all of that interior stuff. It's got to be a fun job. I just, I guess I'm, I'm so confused as to why this role is necessary. Like, I just, I don't see these dudes being like, oh, there's some, you know, thirst trap on Instagram. Jump let me off. like, for the, yeah, the let me like, f- let me for the first time ever try to reach out to her and get her to come to the bubble. If you don't think that every single one of these dudes either A, has like a real relationship, a marriage, a girlfriend or whatever, or a long established jump off, like why all of a sudden in the bubble are you choosing to get cute? Is it proximity? Like why would you need to lie about how long you've known someone? That just seems... I mean, you don't- need to lie the point is is the burden of proof might not necessarily reach the nba you know, the, level of judgment it these photoshops are about to be so bad you might want somebody just for the bubble for that reason you know what i'm saying little mini vacation look at your man out there in seattle who was trying to sneak old girl in he's a football player what happened there that was I just I, I cannot I have so many questions when it comes to the do first of all they've only been in the damn hotel for a week is it that good is it that good that it's what you're gonna risk it all a week you have no discipline sir you could never be a boxer it's just unbelievable to me these dudes in the bubble have at least been there for weeks he's been there for one week that was absolutely insane because they weren't allowed but again Clinton if you have a wife or a girlfriend you already know she knows she's coming so if you don't, then why does it matter who you invite into the bubble? It just doesn't matter. They still got to go through quarantine and they still have to get tested. Why are you in not, their business like that? You're not taking into account, first of all, <laughs> I just, is it that good? That was, that almost, that almost threw me off for the whole week? segment. Just to be, just to be, just to be clear. <laughs> the question is not about jump offs though, necessarily. It's about Ray Ray and them who might be up in there acting a fool. 
You know what I'm saying? This is the other side of this. People are looking at this a little too conveniently as if it's only going to be about matters of the flesh, for lack of a better term. But it might just be about who and all is your crew, dog. You know what I'm saying? We can't have your little entourage up in here running amok playing craps outside the hotel. You know what I'm saying? There's an element of that there, too, where I think it's just a matter of making sure that you don't have a bunch of extraneous people in there. Not to say that everybody who's a friend or a family member who is not one that you are um, intimate with is not somebody, you know, is definitively somebody who's going to cause a problem. I'm just saying that, like, it's going to be as funny for people trying to convince the NBA that their homies need to get in as it is that their girls are need to get in. Yeah, but you know they ju- you, but listen, but Ray Ray and them are exactly fall exactly in the category of long established friends. They're oh, the yeah. ones that you just can't seem to get rid of. You've known them from since middle school, which is why you still let them hang on. The hangers honors. I know plenty of them. So again, why would you need to lie and have a, a new friend come into the bubble? Like I just none of this makes any sense to me. Like, you know what? I'm in the bubble. I have an opportunity to bring in like just a couple of people I'm going to bring an old boy that I met at the T-Mobile store the other day who's doing that I just don't get like what this approach is it just seems dumb seems unnecessary now now we know where people holler at L. Duncan in the streets (laughs) by the way this is the (laughs) ultimate Z-axis who all going to be there from the NBA coming up the 100th anniversary of the Negro League celebration it reminds everyone else that we didn't forget and by we, I mean me. I'm a baseball guy. I never forget that. My name's Clinton Yates. Hers is L. Duncan. It's The Intersection on ESPN Radio. The Intersection, where sports and social justice meet. Proudly presented by ESPN Audio and The Undefeated. It's the Intersection on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. You know I know the songs, L. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, and all guests on the program appear via the Shell Penzoil Performance Line. We had a couple good guests today. Heavy hitter guests here on The Intersection, y'all. In case you were wondering, we had John Calipari, Kentucky basketball head coach. He talked about what the effects on the season, and by that I mean the basketball season, were going to be like. He said, we're already in quarantine. This is Kentucky basketball. We in Lexington. You think we keep these basketball players around the gen pop? Absolutely not. We're out here training and chilling. That's what we do. And, of course, we talked to Bubba Cunningham, University of North Carolina's athletic director, who will be sending me some lovely gear shortly as we discuss how the ACC is dealing with this and what he's talking about in terms of the different priorities on campus down there in Chapel Hill. So that was good. However, this weekend, before the curriculum, we need to get to this. The 100th anniversary of the Negro League celebration is happening in Major League Baseball this weekend. And let me say this real quick, Al. Some people would like to forget that because Jackie Robinson integrated the game, that all of a sudden every effort for black folks that had been made on the baseball field as far as advancement was justified. That's not the case, all right? We were playing plenty baseball long before Jack made the bigs, and that's not to say he didn't deserve it. That's not what my point is. But those of you who know that story about Branch Rickey with the Brooklyn Dodgers understand that he was the guy for a certain reason. But the Negro Leagues were important because we weren't just playing. It wasn't like we were learning how to play from y'all. We were teaching ourselves how to play. We were good. And so when you see things like the bunt and the stolen base being the part of the game that it is, even things like mascots in the crowd. Correct. The, the atmosphere, leagues, Clinton. Yes. The atmosphere, y'all. We were showing up and showing out. Yes. It was fun to go to games, unlike it is sometimes today. So I just want y'all to know, we ain't forget. Y'all might have never known, but there's a difference in that. Shout out to Bob Kendrick, who runs the Negro League Museum in Kansas City. He is my favorite person in all of baseball, and he dresses flyer than you do too. 
All right, just understand that. Go look up Bob and see what he's got to offer. Anyway, Elle, what are your thoughts on the Negro League? Yeah, man, just what you said. We were thriving. That league was thriving. It just reminds me of what black people do. Like when we we're giving, you know, a circumstance, we'll make the best out of it. And that league was doing so well. And integration in the same way that it hurt college basketball because we were thriving. That's where all the talent was, which is in the HBCUs. Yep. And the second that we integrated, you know, it was great for these, you know, men to be trailblazers and to, to sort of be given this, this certain scale. But it 100% hurt HBCUs. HBCUs and it hurt our product. So, uh, you know, I, I think of it fondly at also how sad I am to think that, you know, they sort of rescued Jackie Robinson when the Negro League was selling more tickets than, than the major leagues were. Absolutely. If you really want to know my extended theory on this, here's what the deal is. If you really wanted to make black baseball better back then, what you would have done was subsumed three entire franchises so we could have kept our developmental systems intact instead of just taking one player. That's a whole other story that y'all aren't ready for. Right now, though, it's time for the curriculum. Yes, it's a different world from where you come from. So Clinton and L are here to drop knowledge to help you navigate these cultural and social streets. Welcome to The Curricula. All right, it's time to break this thing down, and we're going to the ice L first. What we got? The Seattle Kraken make Eric Fitzhugh the first black team broadcaster in NHL history. Seattle Kraken unleashed their new logo and team name. I think it was a little more than a week ago out there in the Pacific Northwest. And they got a brother on the mic, L. For those of you who don't understand how groundbreaking this is, let's just say very. Your thoughts. Yeah, I just really hope that the brother will be able to really implement a slice of the culture and start the first game with, Yo, Seattle, what's cracking? Oh, my God. I'm, uh, you can count me out for the rest of the show, Shannon. That was radio professionalism to its highest degree. Did you hear that, y'all? That is what local radio sounds like across America in urban markets, okay? When you got a name like the Seattle Kraken, you know what we're going with? What's cracking? What's cracking? Oh, my God. I love that. Let's get this guy on the show already. Hello? That would be a great idea. All right. Coming up, what do we got next? Chris Paul's HBCU sneaker tour inside the bubble. Paul represents a different HBCU during each game with an HBCU-inspired version of his signature Jordan brand shoe. Now, this is particularly important to me for a couple different reasons. Number one, which is that in general, anytime anybody is talking about HBCUs, L, I believe that we are in a positive conversation. Former intersection guest um, McCord Maker obviously came on the program and talked about what that was going to be like going to Howard right there in the greatest city in the world, the capital of the United States of America, Washington, D.C., that's going to be cool. But overall, I also like it because Chris Paul didn't go to an HBCU. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? He yeah. went to Wake Forest. He's making this effort above and beyond what he really, I don't want to say needs to do, but that natural connection of, oh, well, yeah, I'm an alum, which is a large part of the HBCU experience, is not something that he relied on. You know what I'm saying? Chris Paul comes in this junk looking like he's going to be walking in, in the daggone, um, what's it called, the lunchroom in a different world. And I like that. You know what I'm saying? He's styling out here in these streets, looking like something out of Living Single. Thank you, Chris Paul. This is a very good look. 
Yeah, I think um, I think it's a great look too. But I would like to see you know the sneaker culture has become incredibly elitist, and that you know you used to back in the day could like work really hard and you know work your part time job and like eventually sort of snag some of these sneakers that were part of the sneaker culture. And it's not that way anymore. The bots get them, or they're two thousand dollars. And like I would hope that not only is he bringing attention to the HBCUs, but I would hope there'd be some sort of effort to make sure that these are attainable to those very same kids that might aspire one day to play at one of these schools so you be on that sneakers app getting those l's you know how everybody every, every single time sneakers goat stock eggs doesn't matter l l l l by the way Can you chris tell paul i'm bitter gonna, i know right chris, call, chris excuse me chris paul by the way is going to be producing a docuseries on the struggles hbcus face to you know get recruits in college basketball which you know relates back to that thing we were talking about with mccurry maker in terms of just you know what are y'all gonna do you know, when you finally get the talent, is that going to add up? And is that going to be something that actually works for people? So we're very happy about that. And lastly, and most importantly, what we got. Serena Williams retires to the court in the inaugural top seat open in Lexington, Kentucky. Now, let me explain something to y'all who don't know. My name is Clinton Yates. Her name is Serena Jamika Williams. And Serena Jamika Williams is my favorite athlete of all time. No questions asked. Full stop. So whenever she is getting ready to get on the court, I make it my business to inform America that that's happening because you will not get to see an athlete of this caliber do these things for the rest of your life ever again in live real time. Trust me on that. So this is a basic public service announcement. Serena, the God, is blessing the court in Kentucky. So get tuned in because you might want to check that out. That's all I have on that. Yeah, man. It makes her so incredibly approachable and touchable, and that's what we love about her because while these other dudes are complaining the big names in tennis that are not as big as hers are complaining about playing at the U.S. Open with no fans, she's basically playing like, the tennis version of the Waste Management Open or whatever, the golf version of that, right? Isn't that like yes, the Waste Open? Of course, that's where she goes because Phoenix is white Atlanta and that's their only corollary. <laughs> white Atlanta. She's got based on <laughs> cultural understanding. But Serena has been giving us so much content recently. Oh, yeah, oh man. Olympia. Yeah. Yeah, love I love her. her. She's so cute. Even Quay Quay, the little baby doll, is absolutely adorable. And um, I'm, I'm here for all of it. I love Queen Serena. Can't wait to see her. She's the best. People She's try to come best. at me in my mentions all the time. She's your favorite favorite? Yeah. Using she that- could never beat Roger Federer, right. though. Uh, Shut yeah. up. She's my favorite, okay? Every single time she does something, I watch. And what's funny is that I actually came to that realization relatively late. Deion Sanders just summarily removed himself from the possible list of all-time favorites. He was that before that. But once I found myself realizing I can't turn off my television every time I know Serena's going to be on it, that was about, I don't know. Ten years ago, I was like, yeah, yeah. that's the case. So Give Serena in. is going to be around. Make sure you tune in. Coming up, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, they're going to be with you. It's the intersection on ESPN Radio. I'm Clinton Yates. She's Al Duncan. Give them a Georgia goodbye, y'all. Holler. The Intersection, where sports and social justice meet. Proudly presented by ESPN Audio and The Undefeated.